You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In her new film, Flow, for Love of Water, our guest today, Irina Salina, builds a case against the growing privatization of the world's dwindling freshwater supply with an unflinching focus on politics, pollution, human rights, and the emergence of a domineering world water cartel. Flow, for the Love of Water, will screen in Los Angeles beginning this Friday, September 12th at the Lindley Sunset 5 and in Orange County at the Regency South Coast Village Theaters beginning the following Friday, September 19th. Irina Salina, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks for inviting me, guys. Well, well thanks for being here. How are you today? <laughs> I'm okay. It's Good. raining in New York. Oh, it's raining in New York. <laughs> oh, well, there you so go. You got apropos. S- yes, I got some water there. <laughs> Very good. Uh, do you live there in New York? I live in Brooklyn, yeah. Ah, how do you like it? I love Brooklyn. Yeah, have, you, have you been there for a long time? Uh, in New York, I have been there for tw- a little more than 12 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, uh, you said at one point in time in an interview I read, you said that your journey with this film began with an article that you read in The Nation magazine. I think that's called Who Owns Water? It was by Maud Barlow and Tony Clark. Absolutely. Uh, tell us about that. How did that change you when you read that article? Well, I, I read that article, I think it was in 2001, mm-hmm. and it's, I had been collecting articles on water, and but that really sort of got me started. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, now you hear more and more about, you know, is water going to be the next oil? But at the time, it wasn't really something out there in the news. Mm-hmm. And within the, there was this article written by Maud Barlow and Tony Clark, but there was also a piece in on New Orleans, believe it or not. At the time, just to give you a sense uh, of the hurricane situation, there was Hurricane Lily. Ah. That could have been like the big one. And that's exactly the day I arrived there, because there was a big story about uh, there was gonna, it was going to be the biggest privatization deal in the United States, and it was going to be in New Orleans. And I had read about, you know, in the nation, Josephine Ello, a retired nurse who had gone door-to-door to gather a petition against it. Basically, what she was saying is, how are we, the poorest of the poor, are going to be able to afford it? You had grassroots movement, ACORN. The mayor was involved. Two of the subsidiary of Suez and Vivendi, United Water and U.S. Filter, win the bids. The sewage water company of New Orleans was one of the bidders. So Everybody, uh, civil society was there, and I was like, what a great opportunity. So I went there to cover it. Uh-huh. And and how was that? How was it when in New Orleans? Did you... Uh, uh, they actually, it got, uh, they voted against it. Uh-huh. I was in the court, they were voting, and it got voted against it. I imagine they were thrilled at that point in time. Yes, <laughs> they were. And actually, uh, we I were discussing about putting, because, you know, for good, for reason that you understand, I didn't put it in the movie. Uh-huh. But uh, we are putting it in a DVD extra because it, it was a very interesting story. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So that'll be an extra in the in the DVD. Yes, your your yes. uh, footage of yeah. of, their, of the vote and the celebration and yeah, uh, that's excellent. And and it's a good representative in a way because we're dealing with two things. We have we're dealing with uh, you know. Uh, water here in the United States that's being more and more polluted, aquifer that's being, you know, pumped up faster than it can replenish and go so on and so forth. 
But we're also dealing with the global warming that people are much more aware of now. And and when you see those big hurricanes, you know, part of it is the global warming, and they're going to be more and more violent if we're not we're not paying attention to it. So I, I keep saying to people, you know, the world water crisis and global warming are sort of working hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Because on you know, in some places you'd have places that are expecting rains or monsoon, like in India, and the rain won't come. Or in other places, you'll have one more violent floods and a hurricane. Yes. So, so is, yeah. So is the connection between global warming and water? Is it? Is it? Is there some kind of sort of redistribution of water supplies taking place because of global warming? Is that? Well, I'm sure there are some people, you know, that are up there, you know, in the in the in the world of business that are. No, I very, mean, I mean, I mean, as far as the the actual the natural the forces natural are, for, forces exactly are at play to actually change where where there is an abundance or a lack of or there is a. A lack of water. Well, we're living in it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here in Hello. Southern California. Good morning, America. Yeah, yeah. no, well, I guess, I mean, the, you're talking about these natural forces in play. The, mm-hmm. They are literally moving water around the world is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get to. Is that yeah. right? Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, no, I mean, yes, it is moving water around the world. But what, what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is that uh, one of the key, if I may say, that we're going to have to deal with if we don't want to be five years from now in a, in a really bad situation with our water is to make major effort with the global warming. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm trying to say because there's still some scientists that are like, yeah, but it's natural, but excuse me, you know, it's, it's, it's not natural, it's human-made. And, 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 and in America, you know, we always had a tendency, oh, this is far away, the droughts. But, I mean, if you look at what's been happening, you know, California has been suffering from a drought and many other places. I mean, if people go on the computer and use, look at U.S. Moni- drought monitor, you know, it's a very sophisticated map, and there's there is so much going on right now. You know, uh, Lake Erie, which supplies drinking water to more than 11 million people, could fall three to six feet as a result of climate change. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I could go on and on. You know, yeah. plus you have to add that that 40 percent of U.S. rivers and streams are too different, too dangerous for fishing, swimming, or drinking. You do heavy, you know, industrial weed killer and all sort of things that are ending in in the waterways. So what was that percentage that you just mentioned? Approximately, and that's something that I got from uh, the new book of Maud Barlow called Blue Covenant, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic, by the way. 40% of U.S. rivers and streams are too dangerous for fishing, swimming, or drinking. You know, so you have to look also at the availability of water. But if that availability of water is either, you know, running dry, like in some aquifer or being so polluted, that becomes also a big problem. Uh, We're speaking with Irina Salina. The film is Flow for the Love of Water. And the name Maud Barlow keeps cropping up. Uh, she's in the article. She wrote the article, mm-hmm. or at least co-authored the article that you read initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, founder of Blue Planet Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned her book, Blue Covenant. We even interviewed her, I think it was about uh, several months ago. Yeah, two yeah. months ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, regarding that book. Uh, and she appears extensively in your film. Uh, how is it you first met her and... and uh, 
did you hit it off right away? Yeah, no, I was so happy to meet her. I mean, she's a great inspiration because she's really out there. She, not, she doesn't just write books. I mean, right now I just spoke to her. She's in Australia. She just travels, goes to community, tries to understand, you know, and expose some of the things. And she was one of the first ones when she wrote her book, Blue Gold, uh-huh. you know. And I met her in Japan in 2002 or three. There was a big uh, uh, World Water uh, Council uh, um, uh, thing in Japan, and that's where I first met her. And I really immediately loved her, and I thought to myself, wow, she would be perfect for the film because she's not, you know, when you say activist, you know, you, sometimes you see in those conference people screaming, but she's really your next door auntie mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. yeah so you know i really wanted to be careful not to have people just screaming in the camera i wanted people that that um, people could relate to and and then i went on a trip to india and i didn't know that she was invited by vandana shiva to be there both in delhi and in plashimada where they were fighting at the time a uh, plant of coca-cola Mm-hmm. a small village and 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 there is the place where we really sort of became friend and and then we traveled and and I also thought it, it would be nice to have one person that people can follow you know what i mean instead mm-hmm. of just having a lot of different different talking heads yes you yes, know yes. actually there was more of her but at one point the producer said <laughs> there's too much of more in there <laughs> irina yeah. take that out well, well, you know, just my opinion, I thought she was the most persuasive yes. of, of anyone uh, that you interviewed, or at least up there, she, she, she grounded the film. Yeah, because yeah. she's, you know, she has the fact she's very passionate. She sat in meetings, and she's confronted some of those big companies, and she's not afraid. You know, they call her the Ralph Nader of, of uh, Canada. Yes. She's, and she's been going at it for different things for a long time. But she's, but as you just were describing, she's now turned this into a worldwide endeavor. She's She is going to these different countries. And yes. I'd be her very her cu- life is totally dedicated, just like uh, Rajendra Singh in India, the other man who was right. called the Waterman of India. Th- those two people, I mean, if you travel with them, it's like there's not a minute of rest. There are some terrific, and we're speaking with Irina Selina. The film is Flow for the Love of Water, and there's there this film works on a lot of different levels. You, uh, you talk about these local issues. You talk about sort of the bigger picture governmental involvement, and then you pull in uh, the the uh, the, comp- the commerce of water essentially. And I think people don't know, but I think it's important for them to know that water is now the third largest, biggest commodity being exchanged in the world today, behind yeah. electricity and oil. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think people understand what that means. Well, you know, you have to think of, of, of uh, think, I mean, us, you know, you and I, and, and we don't, I mean, our consumption of water, sure, compared to an African is huge, but we don't, it's, our consumption is not what's making the problem. I mean, you have to think, when you think of water, you have to think of industry, you have to think of huge agro farm. Yeah. Hog farm, and I mean, they use beef. Beef uses a lot of water. Yeah. You have to think of computer ships. You have to think of plasma TV. I mean, it's it's endless, yeah. and it's very important for the economy, as you can imagine. You know, and now you know they, there's virtual water that Maud describes in her book, which is water that 
that is going to be used to, to, to produce a product in a country, let's say in the United States. So it's a lot of water being used for something that immediately after is going to be exported. So it's water that if you leave or you're a small farmer nearby will not have access because it's being accessed by a, a much bigger corporation that, you know, to, to for export. Well, that, that... so that's more like science fiction, but there is, and then you you know you you have uh, I heard recently of of you know I I, I don't want to say something that's not true, but I, I heard more than once of big pipes from one lake to to bring water to Monsanto's farms and things like that. So you know, at the end of the day, it's it's how is water going to be distributed? How much regulation we're going to have so our water? you know, in the United States, for example, is not deadly polluted. So we we don't end up, you know, with millions of people thinking that, oh, ball of water is safer. Yeah. Because that's another big problem, you right. know. It's okay about global warming. It takes over 1.5 million barrels of oil to manufacture a year's supplies of ball of water. Hmm. You know, and we yeah. are consuming much more ball of water than we, when, than we used to, like, you know. You know, I think it's like... 15 years ago. Right. No, that's the important, another important point of the film, and that is that I don't think people quite understand just how much privatization of our water supply has taken place in the last 20, 25 years Mm -hmm. and and what the impact of that is going to be when, as you describe in the film, uh, the the effects of bottled water and the effects of of companies buying our water supplies. Yeah, I know. I mean, and if people wants wants to have a visual impact, a visual effect of, for example, what it does to our earth to buy so much ball of water when we could actually drink our tap water, and that the ball of water is often tap water, and if they're worried about any, you know, things, they can have a filter at home, and any pesticide or or hormones that's coming back right now in our water if it's if it's not filtered at at, our, at those big places you know before our tap water it's it's coming back also in the ball of water yeah. but if they want to have a visual impact they can go on the internet and and google vi- photo or video of of the toxic garbage twice the size of Texas growing in the Pacific between California and Hawaii you know uh-huh. we we just heard that's about known this as the garbage garbage patch there's uh-huh. a garbage patch we like to call it the gyre the, the gyre this uh-huh. this plastic <laughs> gyre that's what it's being called it uh, but we had someone here at the station who came in and and was being interviewed about it, this massive plastic massive. Centric, mass, yeah I mean it's, and it's out of sight it's out of sight so out of sight out of mind well as he was describing it it is affecting sea life um, in a tremendous scale it's blocking out sunlight and it's these new forms of life are essentially living off of this plastic mm-hmm. garbage dump that mm-hmm. is floating and uh, I think it's uh, important to describe it goes from as he described it from the coast of China and Japan to within a couple hundred miles of California Mm-hmm. To give mm-hmm. you some sense of the scale of this thing, I know it's yeah. huge, and mm. and it's just like I think you know that we're really gonna have to, and and I'm confident. I think you just need to give the tools to people, but we're gonna have, we're gonna have to shift, you know, our awareness about certain things like that. Yes. You know, it's just like the water when we hear like Associated Press and other recently talked about certain chemicals in our water, traces of Prozac, traces of blah blah. But this is not new. Yeah. In two thousand four, two thousand three, there were reports of that. 
Well, it just came in and then it just came out. Well, let's go back to Rachel Carson and Silent Spring, which is written 40 years ago. And yeah. it, 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 it doesn't <laughs> as if these are not issues that we don't know about. I want to just quickly get into the film, the filmmaking itself here, Irina Selena, and the, 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 the film is Flow for the Love of Water. Uh, Leave out the the. Did I? I yeah, you, said, you keep <laughs> saying the. And yeah. then it stands for, you know, F for yeah. L, love, uh, okay. O of whatever. But don't yeah. worry. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm going to beat him up on this. I've been chastised. Thank you. I, I, I want to stick those in everywhere. I, I, so, yeah. now, I think now the, the word fil- love is there. I think it's important. Uh-huh. There's Hello. too much war and too much okay. hatred. And I think, uh, yeah. So go ahead. Uh, okay. All right. I, I'm 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 curled up in the corner right now in a little ball, a little fetal position. But I'll, I'll try to carry. I'll try and carry on. No, you here. were talking about the filmmaking. The <laughs> filmmaking itself. You uh, got some beautiful um, uh, shots of not only water but the the different regions around the world. Uh, uh, I want to give some credit to your cinematographer and and uh, it's just a beautiful film to watch. That's so nice to hear. That I read an article the other day that a friend sent me where the guy was like, well. And when it comes to the cinematography and the poetic, this is not Irina's forte. <laughs> I was like, that's huh. pretty tough. <laughs> oh, well. well. <laughs> yeah, no, no, so. no it, it was, in fact, Mike said he, he poured a bottle of water over his head. He felt so refreshed yeah, after I, seeing I, the film. I, I wanted to watch this film in a bathtub. I mean, yeah. I just wanted to be surrounded by water while I was watching it. <laughs> organize special screening. <laughs> yeah. I'm down for pool. that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go to a lake and turn on a big screen that and everything. Be funny? That would be fantastic. By I, you just yeah, you just really you really I mean I've just felt so much appreciation for being able to get into a shower and take a shower after a it was so good to hear that because yeah. I've been asked over and over, so what do you expect to do with this film? Blah, blah, blah. But just hearing that, that's it. Yeah. You know, if 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 out of 60 people, 30 come out saying, looking at water differently, that's already a first mm-hmm. step, I think. Yeah. Because you can't ask overnight to people, do this, take action. Mm-hmm. I, I say it over and over, it starts with awareness. It starts with education. Mm-hmm. You had so many uh, interviews in this film, and, and all with, with very intelligent and uh, articulate people. And did I you, wanted more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, did you have trouble in the editing process getting this all right? Oh, my God. Caitlin was the first editor. We worked one year together. There were more than 300 hours of food. Oh. And, and, and I was keeping tapes at night. I'd say, oh, Caitlin, there's a tape there we didn't look at. <laughs> 300 hours. She would look at me like, oh, no. <laughs> and there were stories that were left out. I mean, you know, um, like a six, seven months ago, we had like two and a, a movie that was like two and a half hours, you know. And so gradually went from five hours to four hours to two and a half hour. And it became obvious, especially after we had another editor coming in because we needed a fresh eye, you know, that we, there were places where we were being repetitive, you know. So there were wonderful people that we wanted in the film. But Andy Monshin was saying, well, this is very much like what this person is saying. And... And you know you can't repeat and hammer people, and mm-hmm. so well. Well, the so end- we had to make some choices, and it was also very important for me that characters like Rajendra and some others that brings emotion, you know, on yeah. the plate. That was also very important, so it wouldn't be like a bunch of talking heads. And the other thing is, I made a very clear decision from the beginning that I was not going to make a film and follow a family in a small village for, like, three months. 
because I had done, I had seen films like that, and they don't obligatory make it to the big screen, and I really wanted to do something where people could, you know, even though there's a lot of subject in the film, but although I feel they're connected, that they could, they could get a sense, you know, like even if it's a bit of a roller coaster, sometimes they could get a sense of what was going on. Right. Well, as I, best as I could do, you know. Well, you it's only one film. Uh, again, I, I want to underscore just how effectively you do the micro and the macro in the film. You do follow people in villages, and mm-hmm. you do, and I, and I, and hence, and lest we sound all doom and gloom, you do show people taking control of their environment and 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 getting good water if they're given the the tools and the opportunity to do so in 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 these remote parts of the world there is a way to do this to accomplish what we need to accomplish i know there is and, and that's why it drives me drove me crazy because you know there you know whether it's ashok gadgil with the uv light invention yes. or rajendra with conserving and local uh, in a local way they are amazing people out there, yeah. amazing. And and what kills me is, you know, look at the poverty. Look at every second a child is, every, every eight seconds there is still a child dying of, of, of water that is not good and yeah. diarrheal disease. And, and we have the tool. We've had the money. It's just not going there. And it's not a question of bringing pipes in remote area because this is not realistic. They are innovation. And there are certain places also that have had uh, water conservation that is ancient. Yes. And in some cases, we have to go back, you know, there. Not everywhere. Well, let's be no. realistic. In China, some of those big cities not going to work. But but you're. I think you're right in introducing uh, the the. I mean, in rediscovering these ancient technologies and bringing a modern uh, um, uh, way of looking at our way of doing them into this process could be a huge help. And the gentleman who came up with the UV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashok Gadgil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. What a I remarkable. know it's amazing, and he's working on another invention. And you know, he had to do that by himself, little by little. Well, he didn't get any big fund, and and you would think that you know, the so-called like we're going to give water to the world would fund things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Would get like fifteen people like that in different countries and and push for their for 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 their invention. That's where I'm. F- Fundamentally, you know, because some people are like, "Oh, you're against big company." I said, "No, I'm not against big company, but, 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 but I don't want big companies to say we're going to bring water to the poor because they haven't done it yet." And when you see that there are solutions like that, that could be applied in a lot of places. Yes. Well, you that, know, so that's what that's what that's what gets me boiling, you know, inside. Well, it, it because not... poverty, you know, talk about poverty. It's like that with a lot of things, and I think it's because, I mean. If you look at, I don't know it by heart, but the budget in the world for war is so huge. You take a crumb, a crumb, like a piece of bread, a crumb out of that budget, and you could save lives. Yeah. But, yes. but there's so much greed right now. It's like vaccination. We could, people could have access to vaccination if we had the will. This, this, the the world today seems like a sort of in the economies of the world, the the economic powers that be seem like they're in this one final land grab, this yeah. grasping for the what's <laughs> left of the world's resources, yeah. because no one wants to get left out of this <clears throat> game of musical chairs. Yeah, and 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 very well put. Yeah. And uh, and and but we have to take control. And the good thing about the uh, 
flow for love of water is that you show us ways in which we can take control of our of our world and 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 in ways that we can be a, a better society and 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 a healthier society for for it. Yeah, and don't you think we're going in? The, I mean, that there is a movement now, whether it's with food, yeah, to go back to local food, whether it's for solar energy or. I mean, there was a, a story I couldn't put in my film, but that was really wonderful. It's equivalent of Rajendra Singh in India, mm-hmm. but an Italian woman in Mali who married a, a man from Mali, and she's doing the same thing. They, they're building wells, and her son is, is building those very simple solar panels so a little village can have electricity for the first time. Yeah, but those are people. They are. And you know, it's not like ExxonMobil or I don't know which other, you know, yeah, yeah. because, because it, you know, it's possible, and there are wonderful things out there. Well, it took us a while to get here, and it's going to take us a little while to get out. But, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it, by highlighting these people, you've done a terrific job. I want to thank you, uh, Irina Selena, for, for coming here to film school and talking to us about your f- film Flow. Uh, thank you, and, and if they want to know more, they can go at flowthefilm.org. Right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It was nice talking to you. Nice Same here. You thank too. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at org slash film school.